On today's episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we discuss the dark side of the skincare industry with Charles Mayfield. Products are still tested today. A lot of products are tested, but they're tested by the manufacturer. There's a difference between let me test this to make sure it helps you versus let me test this to make sure it won't harm you. Mm. And then we live in this environment now in the US where, you know, three months of trials, six months of trials testing something is somehow now a situation where you can label something safe and effective. And that's just not an environment for protecting the consumer. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Today, we have another in-person podcast interview at the Keto Camp Studios with Charles Mayfield. Actually, he looks a lot like Ted Lasso and sounds like Ted Lasso. You'll uh, understand what I mean when you hear his voice. And if you watch the YouTube interview, when you see him, he actually looks like Ted Lasso too. And I, I asked him the question about that, by the way. So Charles is a great guy. We had a blast uh, talking about the dark side of the skincare industry. Oh my gosh. The chemicals that we're putting on our bodies, giving to our children, the sunscreens, the lotions, the potions and makeup, and oh my gosh, what that is doing to actually create fat cells in your body. How chemicals make us fat, make us sick. We talk about that. Some red flags to look for with your skincare products. And then we get into, of course, his company called Faro Skin Care. And guess what? His products are made, they're animal-based. And we love carnivore. We love animal-based lifestyle. He makes skincare products out of high-quality lard and beef tallow. These are animal-based and what that does to moisturize your skin and anti-age you and keep you healthy, which is super cool. We try out the products on the show. We discuss them. We also discuss you know, the animal-based lifestyle and why when you go out to a restaurant, and ideally, we always want to get organic, grass-fed, grass-finished. Like These are very important things to get. But sometimes you go to a restaurant and it's none of that. What do you do? Like I'm faced with that option all the time. So I asked him the question, all right, we're at a restaurant. Nothing's organic. Nothing's grass-fed. But we have the option of pork, chicken, beef, lamb. What would be the best options and what would be the worst options based off of that? Those, you know, this scenario? So wait until you hear that answer. Uh, we also get into a lot more uh, in terms of regenerative farming, the importance of supporting local farms, asking the question, where do you source your products from? 
how do you get your lard, excuse me, how do you get your beef tallow and your products? And uh, there's also an accident that happened during the conversation where I was using his products and I spilled a whole bunch, which was super funny. But then we just rubbed it all over our, our faces. So you're going to love Charles. His accent is great, aka Ted Lasso. Stay tuned for him. Before I bring him on, I want to get to today's Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This is from a health mindful journey titled Very Informative. Keto Camp Podcast is very professional, very knowledgeable. It's always worth my time to continue listening for my keto journey. Thank you. Thank you. And keep going with your keto journey. I'm proud of you. That is freaking awesome. I appreciate listening to the show and leaving that rating review. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to do so. If you have not done so already, please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review. It makes a big difference. And without further ado, let's Sit down and have an amazing, fun conversation with Ted Lasso, I mean, Charles Mayfield. Charles Mayfield is the founder of Faro Skincare. Faro Skincare was born from his professional accomplishments as a risk consultant for food companies, healthy food author, and advocate for regenerative farming practices. Faro is the first lard-based skincare company in the United States and is gaining momentum as people experience the incredible healing power of smart lard technology for human skin. Farrow is based out of eastern Tennessee and contains no chemicals, no preservatives, or and no water in any of its handcrafted products. We also have a coupon code and a link for you to get any of the Faro skincare products at a nice discount. Coupon code is KETOCAMP. We'll drop the link down below. Here is Charles Mayfield. Charles Mayfield, welcome to Miami, my friend. Thank you, Ben. It's awesome, awesome to be here. Yeah, it's not hard to convince you to come down to Miami, isn't it? No, this was easy. <laughs> and we, we were talking before we got on. You know, I've got some friends here, and my my alma mater was uh, very fortunate over the weekend. So uh, yeah, well, you're gonna piss off some uh, University of Miami fans, but Georgia Tech. They did it, and Miami is to blame. At least their coaching is to blame. Oh, we had no business. <laughs> No business winning that game, but, you know. Well, I'm excited to chat with you. I love what you're doing. We met at KetoCon, and I just love how much you love respecting animals and also disrupting the skincare industry. And we're going to talk about the dark side of the skincare industry. I'm ready. Plus, he's got a great accent, you could tell already. So, Charles, backstory. How did you even get involved with the skincare industry and wanting to develop these products for us? Great question. So yeah, Ben, I, backstory is is sorted. Like I've got a whole bunch of stuff that ultimately led to Pharaoh. I've, uh, I'm in sort of day job is in the insurance risk management game, predominantly in sort of food manufacturing. I love consumer brand products, that kind of thing. Uh, I had a background in paleo. That's actually how I first ran across sort of you and your what you're doing is uh, way back in the 2008, nine, uh, met Rob Wolf and some and got on the paleo train, uh, co-authored some cookbooks in the space. And so that's, that's a piece of, of Faro. Uh, got into regenerative farming in about 2016. Wow. And so, yeah, uh, we, we, we launched Faro in January of 22. Uh, but if I back up sort of the preceding decade, it was like this amalgamation of like healthy eating, 
raising the right animals the right way, you know, health, securing, you know, f- proper food. And then I had this sort of watershed sunburn moment where the lard worked in mysterious ways. And so all of those sort of backgrounds uh, melded together to, uh, to bring Pharaoh to life. <laughs> the lard works in mysterious ways. He's got a lot of good puns and, and uh, different ways that you name your product. So what is Feral? Why, what, why did you decide to start it? And what exactly do you guys offer? So why did I start it? Uh, my, my epiphany came in a sort of a, I would say the probably the most common acute skincare condition. I got absolutely barbecued sunburn wise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Coincidentally, had some some lard in the fridge again due to my cooking background. You know, cooking with healthy animal fats, and yeah, in a moment moment of desperation, lathered up, and it was unbelievable. Like sunburn was gone in a couple of days, never peeled. Really, you know, you're in the keto, you know, health optimization space when you try something new and it works, then you really sort of auger down and and try to jump down that rabbit hole. And so, yeah, when I took my, I call it my paleo lens. It's, you know, <laughs> if you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. You know, these years of like encouraging people to eat whole real foods. I took that lens sort of after this event and shined it on skincare and was really kind of blown away at how much more toxic skincare was than our even our food system uh, and we can sort of talk about why i think that is but uh, but yeah and i've got these young kids and they were helping me farm and i'm looking at the products that are pitched to them and so yeah that was that was the moment i spent about a year and a half two years in in r d like just in the kitchen handing samples out and you know after about a year of people saying man this stuff is incredible and, and, and name the skin condition. Like it didn't matter. It was across the board. And so, yeah, we ramped up and, and launched in, in 2022. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank it's, you. Uh, you're reaching your one year anniversary or uh, coming up on two, two, two years anniversary. Excuse yeah. me. The skincare industry, you're right. There's a dark side to it and the marketing Charles is really brilliant, right? It's like, you see all these commercials, you see the marketing similar to like the vegan movement, the marketing could be pretty damn good, but underneath it is something that's actually going to harm you. So I want you to talk about the dark side of the skincare industry, how a lot of these products have so many chemicals and different lotions and, and makeup products that are actually doing harm to our body without a lot of people actually knowing it. Yeah, Ben. So, well, I, I think a fitting place to start is what I call the beginning of consumer advocacy in skincare. So in 1938, the Food and Cosmetics Act, the initial FCA, Food and Cosmetics Act, was passed. And this was sort of the, I would call this the precursor, but also foundational legislation around FDA and USD, you know, a lot of these government agencies coming along. And so they passed the Food and Cosmetics Act of 1938. At the time, the only ingredients requiring pre-market safety testing in skincare were color additives. And so you got to think about 1938, you know, we didn't have, we had obviously petroleum derivatives, but in terms of like all the various chemicals and compounds, we're, we're in our infant stages of being able to synthesize lots of things. And, uh, and, you know, naturally occurring color additives were problematic. 
Fast forward to today, the act has been updated twice. Cosmetics were excluded both times. Mm. Excluded. And so the preeminent you know, legislation protecting consumers requiring pre-market safety testing in skincare is almost 100 years old. And so that's a, that's a real problem. And I, it's not, I, I say that, Ben, products are still tested today. A lot of products are tested, but they're tested by the manufacturer. There's a difference between let me test this to make sure it helps you versus let me test this to make sure it won't harm you, mm. right? And so that's real problematic. And then we live in this environment now in the U.S. where, you know, three months of trials, six months of trials testing something is somehow now a situation where you can label something safe and effective. And that's just not a, an environment for protecting the consumer. Yeah. So you couple that with the chemicals that we have at our disposal today. And toxic skincare has gotten quite toxic. Yeah. Here's another Interesting other factoid. So skincare historically has been something that was reserved for the elite. Animals, most of it was animal fat based. Really? Oh, of course. That's, I was going to ask you about the history of it. So the elites, rich folks, would only be using skincare. It would be animal based. It would be plant and animal based. So think about the most expensive thing years ago, many, many moons ago. If you look at a lot of ancient civilizations, we've been fascinated with skin health and skin yeah. vibrance for years. You look at the Egyptians, uh, you, you look at the Old Testament, New Testament, you know, anointing with oils. I mean, we, we've been fascinated with spreading fat on our skin for a long time. <laughs> Most ancient skincare was plant-based. The reason it was plant-based is because it was, uh, well, there's a lot of different things, but Plant-based fats were harder to come by, but were also portable and packageable. But most people didn't need skincare. And the reason they didn't need skincare was on a regular basis, they were in contact, very close contact, with animal fat. Harvesting an animal, cooking, preparing food. You know, if even if you are making bread, you need some form of fat. Yeah. So uh, they didn't we, have seed oils and vegetable oils back then. Goodness. Well, I mean, no, because they were hard to make. Yeah. So again, back to if you were anointing your skin with olive oil, you were very rich because you had the ability to pay someone to sit around and hand and press, press olives. It, yeah. You know, it's a point. It's a good point of distinction. When we say seed oil, people sort of assume if it come, you know, is an olive a seed, that's from the fruit. You know, this is why avocado coconut oil, olive oil, these are these are all pressed from the fruit, not from the seed. Now you get over here in sesame seed oil and some of these other seed oils. I think it's important to draw that distinction. Yeah. Um, having said all that, you know, skincare today is dominated by sort of this vegan, animal cruelty-free, plant-based ideology. Uh, fine. Uh, I'm not here to... to disparage coconut oil or avocado oil or olive oil as possibly beneficial to skin, but we're not a coconut or an olive or an avocado. We're, we're a mammal. And so I, I believe that our biology aligns much more closely to animal fat, which is why we use it. 
And with those plant-based moisturizers, lotions, and makeup products that are cruelty-free, and that is the marketing that you said, you know, the ideal, uh, the, I'm going to say propaganda, it doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy, right? A lot of them are loaded with vegetable oils and skincare products. A lot of these products contain ingredients that you mentioned we can't even pronounce. And when these toxins enter the body on our skin and uh, through the shampoo, conditioner, whatever it is, the body wants to survive. And what it does, it shuttles those toxins to our fat cells because the solution to pollution is dilution. So, I'm going to steal that one. Yeah, use it, use it. So <laughs> the solution to pollution is dilution. So pollution, meaning these toxins come in and we want to dilute that. And there's a lot of room in the fat cells that yep. actually could enlarge the fat cells, create new fat cells. So the, the pathway is called PPAR gamma that activates this process. And it makes sense because the body wants to survive. It doesn't want these toxins to kill the brain or kill the heart right away. So it shuttles this as a survival mechanism. But it ends up creating weight gain, weight loss resistance. You end up uh, kind of having credit card debt. So later on, you're screwed with a whole bunch, a bunch of symptoms. But people don't get that. Their cleaning products and their lotions could be causing this issue. So I want you to drive the point even farther that if you continue to apply toxic ingredients to your face and to your skin every day, it's just a matter of time before it's going to catch up with you. Yeah, Ben. I'm Well, I mean... We're a very resilient species. Very. <laughs> Thank God, yes. right? However, there there are tipping points. I mean, I think one of the silver linings of where we are today as a species is looking around. Like, we've, we've reached a real tipping point with the sort of toxic overload of our environment. And so skincare is obviously a big factor of that. The, the, the line I like to draw in the sand for your listeners is if it's a water-based cream, so, you know, again, back to reading your ingredients. This is a really good line I like to draw. You know, everybody's going to draw their own lines. But if the first ingredient or any ingredient in the skincare product is water, then you have a fat emulsified with water, okay? And that water acts as a food source for bacteria, okay? So even if you manufacture that cream in the cleanest industrialized environment, you know, hermetically sealed and shipped out the door, okay? The minute a consumer opens that jar, you know, people need to understand we're, we're breathing in, we're in contact with millions of bacteria, viruses, microbiome. It's all around us all the time. It's, we've co-evolved with it, yeah. right? And so the minute you, even you open that jar or tube, it's going to come in contact with the air and there's invariably something in the air that's going to settle in that cream. If there is water in that cream, now it has food to feed bacteria. Mm. So now you have to inject. This is why I tell people, if there's water in the cream, leave it on the shelf. So, so you have to inject these chemicals, which we are now uh, obviously learning are endocrine disrupting. You got these yeah. phthalates and uh, parabens and various other forms of uh, not only emulsifiers, but also because you have to emulsify fat and water, not only emulsifiers, but also chemical preservatives yeah. to keep bacteria from growing, which makes sense in a cream, but not on our skin. You know, we're just we're just covered in bugs, man. You know, this we natural You're right. five to seven pounds. Most people are catching up to the idea that we have bugs in our gut, our yeah, gastrointestinal right. tract. There's a whole nother uh, series of microbiotic activity going on externally. That's correct. Uh, outside 
on our skin. And there's various different compounds depending on moist and wet areas of the pits versus yeah. our arms. But the point is we have this coevolutionary template and, you know, it's a harsh word to say, but effectively a water-based cream is like rubbing napalm on your skin as it relates to these bugs that we co-evolved with. And so a water-based cream is napalm for your microbiome. And most of them are plant-based fats. If you're yeah. lucky, if you're unlucky, it's a petroleum derivative. We don't, our biology doesn't, doesn't jive well with most of that stuff. And so, yeah, these chemicals are been, there are 11 chemicals prohibited from use in skincare in the United States of America. 11. Only 11? 11. By contrast, in the EU, there are over 1,300 regulated chemicals, either prohibited or limited for use in skincare. Wow. So, you know, just draw that disparity. That's insane. Um, it reminds me of the ingredients like glyphosate and other food-based ingredients that are banned in the UK and the EU and not here. The question is why? Like, why are they so lackadaisical with their due diligence? Do they not care about people getting sick? Is it a money play? I think it's a money play. I think there's a lot of money to be made with sick people. But what do you what do you think the reason is? Why, why is there such a disconnect between our guidelines with nutrition and these chemicals versus the UK and the, the EU? Why are we so messed up with that? Man, I, I would say corporate interests here. Uh, Money, greed. Pro profits. Listen, I'm not anti-profit. I don't think anyone's anti-profit. Yeah, me neither. But at some level, profit can't can't supersede consumer protection and advocacy, or, or at the very least, consumer knowledge, yes. right? At least let them know. That's that's the area I struggle with the most is, is at least disclose your crappiness in terms of products. <laughs> disclose your crappiness. Yeah, please. disclose the crappiness. You know, I think a bigger issue we have is the specific to skin. I think one of the bigger issues we have is people take what they put in their mouths to, for some reason, they view that as consumption. And so there's this higher, e even just the consumer, organic, you know, I, 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 real food ingredients. Yeah. People don't associate putting things on their skin with consumption. When it's our largest organ, it's our, they call it our second stomach. You know, our skin eats things. If, if anyone's ever come across poison ivy, you understand we consume things and you brush up against a plant and the oil gets on you. That's right. Good luck, right? So I think that's a bigger issue from a, from a consumer protection and also consumer knowledge standpoint. It's just this disconnection between the idea that our skin eats things. In terms of the discrepancy between the EU and the U.S., it's hard to really understand. I mean, I think that the American chutzpah, the, uh, you know, like our, our willingness to like, we're right, you're wrong. I, I see that a lot mm. uh, with the glyphosate stuff. I think the EU's rule on glyphosate parts per million is like 10 times lower than the U.S. And you try to talk to somebody, they're like, well, go America. You know, pro-America, I'm, I'm pro-America, but I'm also pro-American. 
Yeah, yeah. Amen. Have you seen the movie Dark Waters? Have you heard of I it? I have not seen Dark Waters. I just watched it Please, two, two nights tell. ago. So good. Uh, it demonstrates exactly what we were talking about with DuPont and 3M, how they knew for so many years that they were poisoning people with their products, with the Teflon pans and their, their factories that dumped these toxins in the river, poisoning farmers. And it wasn't until like the, the small farmers started to stand up and see all their animals dying and getting cancer, the community getting cancer. And then this lawyer picked up the case. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the point of the, the movie, which is based off a true story, and they're still going through legal battles right now, is that the government did not regulate any of those toxic ingredients because they didn't have any, any regulation for them. But once they found out, they even offered loopholes for DuPont to continue doing what they were doing, knowing that so many people were getting sick and getting cancer because of how much money DuPont brought America. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasia loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but wild pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and... $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode.
putting profits over people is totally awful. And we're not against profits. I'm not against capitalism. I think it's amazing. I'm so grateful we live in America, but we're against poisoning people and making them sick in order to get profits. Well, you and I have been in tangential worlds as it relates to keto, paleo. You know, we've seen this in nutrition. I mean, this is all documented. They paid off, you know, some scientists to demonize saturated fat versus sugar. That's right. All the way back to the 50s, 60s. We're still dealing uh, with that. We're still dealing. You know, it blows my mind. One of the silver linings of... I would say the last three to four years of a lot of people's lives globally is the, the, the mishandling or misinterpretation um, or miscommunication about various things. It's like, I used to think it was just food because I watched, you know, I sort of got my eyes open with paleo and then I sort of jumped over to carnivore and keto and just, just reading, just studying just learning and experiencing it for myself. And then you look at, well, what is the nutritional guidance that's disseminated by the gated institutions, mm -hmm. by the American Heart Association, by the American Diabetes Association? It's like, what are they telling people? And what have I experientially seen, not only with myself, but with clients at my gym or friends that I sort of ushered into a new way of eating, right? Then you go, well, they're not doing that in skincare. You know, that skincare is a safe area or, you know, banking is, a. you know, it's like, no, it's pretty much top to bottom corrupt across the whole spectrum. And so th this is a message, you know, skincare is a particular area that I felt was my calling because there just weren't a lot of people banging this drum. You know, yeah. I mean, again, you've got a great message. There's a lot of people in the ancestral living and keto, carnivore, paleo, you know, call it what you want space from a nutrition standpoint. And when I shine that lens on skincare, it was like, man, I have, I've got to stand up and say something. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm glad you're disrupting that industry. Uh, I want to talk specifically about, you know, the the pigs and the misconceptions around pigs and lard, but I want to stay on the topic real quick of, yep. I used to have the mindset that if foods were harming us, if, if skincare products were harming us, that they wouldn't be able to sell this to us. The government has our back. Like this was my mindset, right? They, they are, there's the FDA, they're regulating these things. Why would they want to allow us to get sick? But here's the truth. That is, not the case, meaning like the government does not give a crap about our health. And as a matter of fact, a cured patient is a lost customer to big pharma, to big food, and to big government. So when we look at what is happening out there, you're right, the American Diabetes Association, the American Cancer Association, all of these organizations, the Heart Association, the exact foods they tell us to eat contribute to the diseases they're trying to educate us on. For so much time, the American Diabetes Association had a high-carbohydrate diet, low-fat diet as their recommendation, which is actually what leads to you know, type 2 diabetes, right? They still do, by the way. They still do. Now, they're starting to be a little bit more open with having more fat with that percentage, of, but it's still not enough to reverse it because they're, yeah. not, they're not looking to reverse your type 2 diabetes. They're looking for you to manage it and stay on these meds and insulin for the rest of your life. So I'm saying all this because if you think the government has your back in terms of you being healthy, that is not the case. And ignorance is not bliss. You got to take responsibility. If you treat your health casually, you're going to end up a casualty and it'll happen a lot sooner than you want it to be. So take ownership. I know it's not uh, easy advice to hear, but take ownership 
And it starts with the food you eat on your mouth and the things that are going on your skin. Anything else you want to add to that before I transition here? Ben, I would say, candidly, the diet industry and the misinformation or failure rate that, I mean, the diet industry is built on failure, right? Hence the term, term diet and cheat days and all these terms that just get people in this vicious loop. Skincare is not that dissimilar. The correlations, causations, major players, I mean, if you look at the top food brands in the country and the top skincare brands in the country, they're 80% correlation. You know, Procter & Gamble is a huge skincare player. Huge. Wow. And so... Uh, skincare, what I like to tell people is the industrial skincare, not only uh, consumer protection, advocacy, marketing, all of that is, is built a lot like the diet industry. It's built on failure. What I like to say is modern skincare is actually drying out and aging your skin faster because that perpetuates more of its product use. So you're actually doing the opposite of what you are intending to do when you buy the modern skincare products. It's actually aging you faster and creating more problems, leading to you purchasing more products. Sure. Well, I mean, look at one of the more common memes that crosses over a number of barriers are like pictures of the beaches in Miami or the beaches in California from the 1970s. Yeah. And you see no obesity. Yeah. You see, I mean, I, I was born in 1974. I can close my eyes, Ben, and, and I can smell the Panama Jack suntan oil oil i remember that 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 my dad so you had you had four oils you had six eight ten and twelve that was a approximate spf value but they were all oils and they smelled like coconuts and i can i can close my eyes right now (laughs) and smell those oils this was the highest spf you could find in the 19 late 70s early 80s and we would coat ourselves in oil and go out. But you look at pictures and, you know, this is pre-seed oil, not pre-seed oil, pre-seed oil and everything. Mm-hmm. This is right before the fat-free, yeah, you know, margarine craze. Mar- yeah. It was right before the craze. When did the first food pyramid come out? It was like 92 or 90. Anyway, there's no obesity. There's no sun, sun cancer or skin cancer, yeah. hardly any. And if you look at sunscreen use... If you track these, if you chart them, sunscreen use, SPF value. So again, when I was when we came along, you're pretty sure you're a little younger than yeah. me. Yeah, okay, <laughs> ten years behind, yeah. right? And so, you know, the year you were born, the the highest SPF value on the market for consumer products was probably twenty or thirty. Now you can get a hundred and fifty SPF cream, right? <laughs> so if you track usage and if you track that next to spf value and you track that next to incidence of skin care or skin cancer yeah everything's hockey sticked up wow so one of those should be going the other direction if use and spf value were doing their job yeah so it's not working yeah it's not working i i, I rarely use sunscreen i mean i'll use your products if i know i'm going to spend three or four hours out, outside but typically don't use anything and i don't burn because i'm not eating these rancid seed oils that are stuck in my body and i think fish oil is a big player there in terms of negative effect i'm not a big fan of fish oil it, it, it can get rancid pretty quick most 83 percent are yeah it's not good and even if it's not like once you consume it it'll, it'll go rancid in the body so i don't recommend or take fish oil but i want to talk about your product so if you're watching on youtube 
I have a few of them here. Uh, I've been taking these Feral products. I think you gave them to me back right before KetoCon. So I might have had That's these right. for like eight months or so. I appreciate that, by the way. Why did you decide to use a lot of lard in your products? So you talk about lard help us. I love it. And your email signature, you have different memes about that. Because there's a misconception, uh, Charles, that pigs are dirty. Dirty animals, lard is unhealthy. So talk about the processing and why you're using lard as a big base in these products. So... Yeah, we say the swine is divine, but the lard is hard. I, I really, <laughs> then I started a company for the puns. Yeah, that was yeah, really, I that's, see that's that, really, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the pig gets a lot of a bad rap in, from a religious standpoint. There's a se- several, right. yeah. several religions that exclude pork. You said the term dirty, so I get that this is a dirty animal. And so to just sort of clear that up or paint the right context for that, you never see pork tartare on a menu, yeah, right? And so because a pig is an omnivore and a monogastric omnivore, okay, they metabolize their environment, they store things differently, actually much akin to human biology. Pigs and humans, we'll get into this in a second. Pigs and humans share a ton of biology. From a religious context standpoint, again, if you ate 1,000 years ago, 2,000, 10,000 years ago, pigs have been around a long, long time. Yeah, If you hunted, killed, and ate a pig 10,000 years ago, there's a chance you were going to get trigonosis because of the way that animal stores and, and responds to its environment unless you properly cooked the pork. So if I were going to tell a story that I needed passed down from generation to generation to generation and ultimately codified in a book, one of the things I would do is I would, I would tell my constituents... Don't eat that animal. It's dirty. Mm-hmm. Because my cousin Ed had got sick after we killed this animal. You know, we, we learn these things the hard way. Today is amazing because we have this all of this built-up knowledge from years and years. The pig is, is a dirty animal if you don't properly cook it. Mm-hmm. It is a dirty animal because it will root in its own feces and, and, and excrement. It's also a magical animal. And in other words, if you raise a pig outside in the sun, feed it properly, give it fresh pasture all the time, it's going to metabolize vitamins, store them. Pigs are four-legged humans. For your listeners that don't understand this, we train our surgeons on pigs. Okay, so if you're training, learning to be a surgeon, you're training on pigs. Their organs, their skin, everything, are so close to human biology. Wow. Kind of crazy. Yeah. We use pig parts in human bodies. If you talk to any heart surgeon worth their salt, they have used pieces of the valve, heart valve, on a pig to repair the heart valve on a human being. I didn't know that. We harvest hormones from pigs and utilize those in humans for TRT, all sorts of different things. Fascinating. So from a contextual standpoint, I understand the bad rap. Again, we contextually like, don't eat that animal. It's dirty. Is an old, old, old story. Now we now we know. You got to raise it the right way. And yeah. Chickens are actually more dirty than chicken that is treated not properly versus a pig that's treated not properly. Chickens are actually dirtier than pigs. They can be. So, okay, let's let's talk about farm animals real quick. 
we've just touched on the big three, beef, pork, chicken, mm-hmm. okay? You got a buddy with bison tallow to <laughs> yeah. maybe talk about, but th- there's other animals out there, but the, but the big three in terms of farmed animals, land-based animals, the big three are beef, pork, chicken. Right. Beef is a ruminant animal, multi-chambered stomach, herbivore, you know, they're supposed to eat grasses, forbs, weeds, all that. And it goes through a multi-chambered stomach process, comes out the other end. Ruminants, beef again being the biggest ruminant out there, ruminants metabolize and store things differently than omnivores, monogastric omnivores. Chickens and pigs are monogastric omnivores. Now, the reason that I, I agree with you on pigs versus chickens, which one's dirtier. In the industrial market, in the industrial space for growing these animals, both are terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Indoors, no sunlight, terrible yeah. air, highly crowded, poor diet. It checks all the boxes of just like a horrific life. Yeah. Having said that, you know, chickens don't urinate. They poop only, if you didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Pigs are you know, mammals as opposed to birds. And so I think in the toxicity buildup versus toxicity exit strategy, I think chickens are less lim- or more limited in their ability to eliminate, toxins. eliminate toxicity. Yeah, that makes right? sense. And so I, again, I don't, I tell people all the time, store-bought chicken and pork. If you got to eat it, eat it. Yeah. It's better than cereal. Yeah. But if you're preferentially trying to, improve the quality of the meat that you're eating start with your omnivores start with your chickens and your pigs i heard so i heard lamb is a pretty good option too so let, let i want you to tell me what your thoughts are let's say you're at a restaurant and none of it's organic all of the animals there are not up to the standards that you would like to buy from it for, with an animal but these are your options you have you know pork as an option bacon or, or whatever pork belly you have chicken you have beef from a cow, then you have a lamb, which is going to be your your best option there if they were all not treated the way that we want them treated. Fantastic question. I will always preferentially put herbivores, any ruminant, above pigs or chickens. Got so it. in that, to answer your question, if you like lamb, eat the lamb. If you like beef, eat the beef. Got it. So right? beef or lamb. Beef or lamb. Now, if you wanted to dig a little deeper, I would say... It's an industrially raised animal. Correct. I would say if you've got a leaner cut, you know, like the ribeye versus a, I don't know, like a lamb roast. Oh, oh, you're talking about lamb. Okay, got it. Between the lamb versus the beef on the menu, if there's a leaner cut, you might want to preferentially do that. I'm not against fat. Yeah, but less toxins, you're saying. Yeah. Because we store those toxins. They store it in their fat like us. Okay, interesting. Okay, so I I wanted to ask that question because I get that asked a lot from my students, and I usually tell them lamb or beef. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. Yeah, preferentially, yeah. this this goes to where you buy it in the store. Like you can preferentially buy ruminant animal meat. Yeah. From anywhere, and it's going to be a better choice than omnivore, pig and chicken. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So with your products here, you have a, a whole bunch. Let's go through the ones that we have on the desk here. Sure. What are these that sitting here, and okay. um, so how launched, do you use them? Here, I'll put this. So we launched with these three. That is our our total skincare bundle. So those are our that's our the three products we launched with. We sell them in a bundle or separately. The gold top is our skin food. The silver top is our face food, and then we have a sublingual 
CBD elixir. Mm-hmm. If you're into skincare at all, you've probably run across CBD. Yeah. It's a derivative of the marijuana plant, cannabidiol. I can always have to slow down to say it. But CBD is one of the, you know, over 100 compounds in the hemp plant has shown incredible promise at for lowering anxiety, reducing inflammation, it's uh, it's got a really solid omega three to omega six fat fatty acid ratio, and so w- we have the elixir as a sublingual. CBD doesn't absorb through the skin very yeah, so well. It needs to be underneath the tongue. So, well, you know, I could put it in my creams, but you're not getting the full benefit. And so, and, and it says to take it before bedtime, but it's not going to necessarily make you sleepy. So you could have it during the day if you just feel like stressed out. Right? Absolutely. I'm going to do some right now. Absolutely, man. So let's see. I'm going to do, what is it, a dropper full? Just a full dropper. Yeah, yep. let me do that. Right so we, it's very clean. We use a CBD distillate that we grew on our farm uh, or on the land that I was farming on. And then MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then a little orange essential oil. I, I like the flavor, but it's all natural. It tastes mild. more like orange peel, not yeah. orange juice. You're right, yeah. I don't need the sweet. I just want that reminiscent like sort of. I tell people to start taking it in the evening. And if you don't find that you're sleeping any better or worse, you can move to the morning. But it does help. About 80% of the people that take CBD, it helps them sleep. Yeah. I think it helps everybody. It's just a matter of when you ingest it. Correct. And so, and the quality of it, too. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, so, again, you see in the hemp space, you see a lot of CBD seed-derived mm. yeah. products. I would stay absolutely away from the seed-derived. You want the flower-derived, plant-based yeah. uh, distilled oils. So uh, we have the elixir. We have the skin food, which is basically neck down. And we have the face food, which is neck up. You know, the skincare industry at large has decided that this is different, different than, than this. Different than the rest, right? Yeah. And so we formulate them differently. Uh, you know, this I get this question all the time. The ingredients are actually the same between those two products. The ratios are different, so we, uh, the ratio, we use okay. a little bit more leaf lard. We and this one a, is scented. Uh, I think both of those are scented. Oh. We offer a scented and unscented product, and we use only can natural. You, can you eat this too? Can oh, I yeah. eat it? Yeah. Can yeah. I just eat this right now? Let's see. Yeah, the sandalwood doesn't taste real good, which is a a component of our. I, if you're going to eat it, I would tell you to eat our unscented. Okay. Version. <laughs> I don't mind it though. No, no, no. So it, that's it, how you know. Like, I wouldn't eat this if this was a toxic skincare <laughs> product. Just, I just ate this on the on the podcast. So. Yeah. There's a mom's group I'm speaking to in a couple weeks, oh, and nice. I printed off the ingredients of like the top 20 rated. That's great. Skin, and it's going to be. Would you eat any of this? And of course, you can't <laughs> pronounce it, and it's like C14-16 alkaline right. preeminate. You know, it's just these crazy ingredients. Yeah, I'm just but, rubbing this all over my face. Right oh, it's there. fantastic, right? Go and to so, the beach. Put, what do you put on before you go to the beach to get, or before you go outside? What's a good product? You, I use our skin food. Okay, the skin food. Yep, and I'll use it almost exclusively. I use it on my face. Again, I love our face-specific product. Is, is formulated with a little bit more leaf lard, which is colorless and odorless. Did lard has a little bit of an animal fat smell and taste. Did you say leaf lard? Leaf lard. So you're familiar with tallow. Yeah. Tallow is the rendered visceral fat. I was just listening to your, was it Omara? or uh, uh, Dr. Sean Omara. Omara, yeah. yeah, yeah. Great he pop- was just here sitting I know, yeah, yeah, talking about uh, visceral, visceral fat. fat I, yeah. My DEXA scan when I saw you earlier this year, I had more visceral fat than I was sort of accustomed to. And so I've been, I really enjoyed that episode because I've been like diving deep on visceral fat. Sprints, fasting, quality sleep, getting away from alcohol. Those are all the things. All the things. I loved it. I loved it. So 
Where, oh, visceral. Lead, yeah. Okay, so tallow. Tallow is the rendered visceral fat from a ruminant animal, mm. most predominantly beef. Yeah, but you know you've got this tallow uh, bison. Yeah, my, I see. El- I my buddy Daniel in tribe vitamins. Yep. Yeah, goat. Any ruminant animal is going to have a fat that is the predominant visceral fat in any mammal is kidney fat. So think about the way an airbag works for us in cars. Yeah. We have this visceral fat protecting our organs in the event that we have a jarring Mm -hmm. impact. Right. And so tallow is the rendered visceral fat. Lard is rendered subcutaneous yeah. belly back fat yeah. from a pig. The better kind. Leaf lard is the tallow equivalent, but for a monogastric omnivore. Ah, so it's it. the rendered kidney fat from a pig. Okay. It was prized, and still no one knows about it. It was prized as a baking fat forever because of the visceral nature. It does not have an odor or a taste, mm. right? Remember back to storage? Yeah. Our subcutaneous fat is where we store all the good and bad, right? And so by rendering the visceral fat, it was prized for baking because it wouldn't impart a a, a flavor or a smell to your pie crust, to your biscuits, to your whatevers. I use it predominantly in our face product because it doesn't have any smell. And the smell doesn't bother me, but it might bother some. And so- More leaf lard up. It's also gentler. It's a it's a more viscous fat, and so it gets it's a little creamier. It's a more akin to tallow, yeah, know, in terms of viscosity. Sense. And so, yes, leaf lard, lard, and tallow. Hey, keto camper. There's something that I do every single day to supercharge my mitochondria to help with inflammation and soreness from a workout, and that is the use of red light therapy. This is called photobiomodulation, and there's a ton of research that shows the benefits of near-infrared and red light therapy. The red light therapy that I use is from Bon Charge. I simply use it 10 to 20 minutes per day. It has both near-infrared and red light, and every single day when I use this, I feel ready to take on my day. So whether you're dealing with gut pain, joint inflammation, or you want to just supercharge your mitochondria... Get your hands on a quality red light therapy device. And I highly recommend the one from Bon Charge. They hooked you all up for being a Keto Camp podcast listener with a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do, check out this product and all the wonderful products they have available is to go to bondcharge.com slash Keto Camp and use the coupon code Keto Camp at checkout to save 15% off your order. We will drop that link and coupon code in the podcast notes. Go check it out. And let's get right back to this episode. There's one more here I want to talk about on the table. But for those watching and listening, Charles gave you all a, a coupon code for you to try out the products, get the products. So if you go to pharaoh.life slash keto camp, you could check off all the products, their story, their mission, learn more about what they're doing over at Pharaoh. And the coupon code is KETOCAMP at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Charles, for giving One that. word. Yeah, one yep. word, no space in between. So that's K-E-T-O-K-A-M-P. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, we'll drop that down below and I'll write out the coupon code for you to get these products yourself. Uh, and they're very affordable too. There's one more here that I haven't tried. So what is that on the table? Well, so this is our Epic Dermis. So Epic Dermis. Ep- <laughs> again, it's all about the puns. For those of you that don't know, your epidermis is the sort of outer layer of your skin 
And right. we want you to have an epic dermis, which is the next <laughs> layer underneath. Can I use this for oh, shaving? dude. I haven't had razor burn in three years. Oh, man. I've been looking for something yeah, good. So which, I really which, one like, would I, which one would I use for that? Defense? I use the skin food. The skin food. Okay, I'm going to um, use that to But shave I travel with the epic dermis. And so I shaved this morning with and lathered up with uh, the epic dermis. And it smells dermis. good. The oh, dude, dermis. I love this scent profile. So dude, this is so a bergamot. Cologne. Yeah. It's bergamot, basil, wild orange, and uh, black spruce. It's, I love it. Oh, I would good. Again, I would not eat that, but you could in a pinch. <laughs> okay, good. Couple, couple hundred calories worth of, uh, <laughs> of, of a snack. So, but you, yeah, so we, we launched shortly after launching. It was like, hey, man, give me a portable packable product. And so we started doing some development, and I, I test everything out in the kitchen first. And, and I have an esthetician that's a good friend of mine that she helped me put the scent profile together. Our Epic Dermis comes in only a scented version. Okay. Our other products are scented and unscented. We only use natural organic essential oils for our scent. So I tell people, I have creams, Ben, that have lasted. I have some of the original creams still, and I'll open them up every now and then and just see if they've gone bad. Three to four years and seems to be the ultimate shelf life, but, when I, but I tell people six months. Okay. Two reasons. One, I want you using my product, yeah, right? Exactly. You don't get the, ben, you know, get the, damn the, the medicine cabinet full of garbage. Yeah. Like, let's, let's actually use a product. And two, if you buy a scented product from us, the all-natural, non-chemically derived essential oils will diffuse over time, just like they do naturally. Right. And so if yeah. you buy a product today, we, we make these products fresh, uh, as fresh as we can. It's usually about a week delay between order to ship and where, where are you sourcing the, the the pigs let's talk about where you get the tallow from sure so uh the tallow lard and leaf lard were all sourced from our farm you actually have your own we, farm. we, we raised the animals until december of last year uh, i mentioned i have this day job and sort of consumer brands and yeah. insurance risk mitigation we had that we had the farm and then i had 12 months into the first year of pharaoh and it was like that's a something, lot. something had to give. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, Joyce Farms, you may or may not be familiar yeah, with them. That's, that's the source for like keto carnivore snacks and yeah. carnivore bar. And so they, they are a vertically integrated, pasture-based, high-quality meat producer. I source my fat from them now. And so I'm immeasurably excited to source more fat from them yeah, and well, continue to grow. Joyce Farms, where, where, do you know the website for them? J-O-Y-C-E. Farms.com. Yeah, check them out if you you know you want to know about the sourcing because that's important for you to look that up yourself, Keto Campers. Uh, I know of Joyce Farms and they're high quality. So, but if you want to check out for yourself, it's JoyceFarms.com or just Google them because that's a question that people are going to ask in their head. You know, where does he get the pigs from? Are they high quality? And the answer is yes. We trademarked uh, right out of the gate. I trademarked Smart Lard. If you read our par- packaging. <laughs> Uh, closely enough, you'll see that we're, our products are made with smart lard. And I did that. We're the first lard game in town. You know, it's, it's my certified organic stamp, Got right? It. I'm the first lard game in town. Hopefully we're incredibly successful in helping people, you know, really heal their skin and sort of displace the junk that's out there. But ultimately you have to raise a healthy, happy pig. Yeah, You have to do that. There's a little bit more room over here in, in ruminant world, right, with visceral ruminant fat, which I think is why a lot of the animal fat-based 
products in skincare, which are all fantastic. I think that's why they're ruminant-based, tallow-based. Yeah. Is because you've got a lot more room with tallow in terms of what's stored, how that animal metabolizes its environment. You know, all ruminants get grass for the vast majority of their lives. Pigs and chickens from mm-hmm. day one are not not fed well, just and not raised well. Right. Right. And so, and they're an omnivore. They're a monogastric omnivore. So how they metabolize and how they store toxicity or health, right? It's it's two sides of the same coin. Correct. Is important. So yes, we source everything from Joyce now, and I'm excited to to get to a point where we've bought them out of all their fat. Yeah, so that'll, that'll, that'll be a good, a good yeah, thing that'll to be a accomplish. Good day. Hey, be good maybe day. this podcast will help move the needle on that. Like if you're inspired to support the mission, to support farmers that are doing it right, right to support Charles who has a good heart and wants to get lard into the hands and skin of every human being, <laughs> uh, go to the website with the coupon code. But I have a final question for you. Well, I actually have two two questions. Number Number one, how many times do you get asked if you are uh, Ted Lasso from <laughs> Ted Lasso? <laughs> so the funny story about that is the first time someone said that to me, I don't watch a lot of television. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, with farming and when, when did Lasso come out? Right in early pandemic. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like two, three years ago. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, so I had a couple of people say that to me. I was like, oh, thanks. Who is Ted Lasso? <laughs> and so, Jason, if you're out there watching, uh, I know who you are now as a, as Ted Lasso. But, yeah, I get Ted Lasso and I get Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, because uh, now he has the mustache yep. like you. If you're listening to the podcast, you could hear that Charles has an accent similar to Ted Lasso's character, but you also look like him. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's the mustache. It's and a combination sort of, of both. And yeah. yeah, Aaron Rodgers, too, because he's got the mustache now. So I was told at the Miami tailgate by a number of people that I should either have a visor on for Ted Lasso or I should walk with a limp like to Aaron Rodgers. Because he has so, his, uh, yeah, We had a lot of fun. Or his uh, Achilles tendon that's torn. All right, the real final question is about my favorite supplement that we haven't spoken about because you can't really buy it. it's called vitamin g gratitude i'm a big believer in feeling the gratitude expressing gratitude so charles what do you have vitamin g for today well for starters you thank you your podcast is fantastic i i've really enjoyed uh, you know we got to meet for the first time in person earlier this year in austin and then thanks to brett and harrison we got to give them a you know oh, yeah. a thank you because they're the, the one who connected us so we got to meet mafia are, yeah go check out the meat mafia yep, we love them yep. they're doing great work i you know i have gratitude in my heart for what you're doing i for the opportunity to, to launch this company and just have conversations like this I, again the the skin health conversation is not being this is not being talked about enough Mm-mm. and it's a real problem. And, and, and there's a lot of great brands in the space. I'm, I'm thrilled to be alongside them and, and just working with you and, and man, being in Miami, I have a little bit of gratitude about my j- jackets, my yellow jackets, <laughs> getting it done yesterday. Yeah. Sorry, hurricanes, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it's an, every day is an absolute gift. I would say Amen. if I was going to round that out, I call them my VPs, but I have a, a daughter that just turned nine and a son that's almost 11. Wow. And they've been involved back before Pharaoh came along. Cause this is a farm base. You know, we were farming, we were raising these animals 
and again, it's sort of like the paleo culinary side meets the health, fitness, lifestyle coaching side met the farming side. It's just really just a convergence of a lot of those things. But they have been along for the ride day one. They're incredibly passionate about it. I mentioned I was having uh, coffee with with Mark Sisson before I came to see you today, and even talking to Mark about just because he's done some business work with you know with his family. Uh, the gratitude I have around my children are on this ride with me, and they get I'm, I'm giving them these lessons about skincare and overall health, uh, just bringing them along for the ride and and seeing them like embrace it. That is, I, I have so much gratitude for that opportunity. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of amazing vitamin G right there. Uh, I love that. To be able to do that with your family is so special. That's something that I envision with my future kids, like them being a part of the mission and the business. I think that is so special. I'm also grateful for you, Charles. Thank you for, you know, making the trip. Charles flew in for the interview. Uh, and of course, the UM in Georgia Tech came. But you made it happen. And I know it's not hard to convince people to come to Miami, but it requires a lot of travel and money and all that. So I appreciate you making that effort, making it happen. I, I love today's conversation. I think it's so important to talk about these things. So please, everybody, share it. Uh, leave it a rating and review. Go to pharaoh.life slash keto camp and use keto camp at checkout. Social media that you want them to go check out? Uh, Instagram is pharaoh skin mm-hmm. and it's F A R R O W. Yeah. Twitter is pharaoh life. And that's that's all I, I, people keep telling me I need a TikTok. I'm just not ready. <laughs> yeah, soon. We'll put all that down below in the notes. Charles, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, my friend. Ben, this has been awesome and continued success to you, sir. Thanks for having me. Amen. Thanks, bro. I hope you loved Ted Lasso. He, he, I mean, Charles Mayfield, he was so much fun. If you want to watch the video interview and actually see that he looks like Ted Lasso, go to youtube.com slash keto camp. If you wanted to try any of his products and support a great mission, regenerative farming and the animal-based movement, which I believe is so crucial at this time in this day and age, then go to pharaoh.life slash keto camp or click the link in the podcast notes. Use the coupon code keto camp, K-E-T-O-K-A-M-P at checkout to get a nice 15% off your order. Please share this episode with a friend. Please leave it a rating and review. And I want to say how much vitamin G gratitude I have for you. Thank you for spending part of your day with Charles and myself. We'll put Charles's social media down below as well. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.